Hey guys, how are you doing today? Doing well, Chris. Awesome. Doing great. So, uh, this is Gary. Is it Chavez or Chavez? Hard C or? I say Chavez. Uh, okay. Yeah, most of the time. Sometimes I say Chavez, just do not get people confused. But Chavez or Chavez, it doesn't matter. I answer to both. Okay. Mom say. I, I only ask because I lived in LA for a while. Yeah. And like Salvadorians sometimes pronounce things very differently than yeah. like. Yeah. <laughs> I was told I was stationed in San Antonio. I was told when I say Chavez that I'm pronouncing my last name wrong. You're listening to Board Again Games Season 2, Episode 4, with our guest Gary Chavez as he talks about his experiences designing games and his game Saints and Scouts. Thanks for listening. Okay. okay. <laughs> but I still say I, Chavez. <laughs> sure. So uh, Gary is a, a game designer and he's from Cincinnati, which is where Ryan Everyone. and I are located now. And actually, Ryan and Gary have uh, met in the past. And uh, let's just start with that. You guys were talking about that. And then we can even talk about the game uh, you have designed and then the game Ryan has in the background since we're just going to have some Cincinnati fun time tonight. Awesome. Great. Yeah. Gary was uh, Gary did a, a documentary for um, Origins and the Cincinnati uh, playtesting group. Yeah. Well, yeah, I made a little commercial for us. Little okay. little uh, three minute spot. Yeah, I had a, um, uh, I it, I put it put that video when we were meeting, you know, at the end uh, every month, and it was trying to grow the group. So yeah, that helped to show what the group was about and everything. So um, now we're meeting at Fireside Pizza. So I got to make a whole new <laughs> video for us instead of uh, you know, the Rook closed down. Uh, yeah. That was a great place, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to change the video. But also I'll have to re-interview everyone and make them say the same thing that they said before because they put it so well so we'll see yeah no I, yeah i really enjoyed the rook i was sad when um i i, I don't know was that a year and a half ago two years ago that they yeah. finally closed mm -hmm. yeah. yeah yeah but the the guy how can you yell at the guy? Yeah, it's a great place, but the guy wanted to go to Africa and build homes. I mean, what are you, you going to say? You're, you're yeah. ruining my game night. <laughs> you want to build houses in Africa. You can't, you can't yell at the guy. You're kind of like, yeah, okay, well, all right. <laughs> that sounds right? good. Best, best of luck to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, totally. He, he did it for the best of reasons. Yeah, uh, exactly. So tell us about your background. What, how'd you get into game design? Um, How'd you get into board games in general? Uh, yeah, just tell us more about that. Well, I'm an um, aerospace engineer. Uh, I've been uh, 20 years in the Air Force, uh, 10 years active, uh, 10 years reserve. Uh, I always had uh, um, an interest in board games. Uh, you know, started off playing a game called Nuclear War a uh, long time ago. But yeah, it's a great game. My cousins were real cutthroat. You know, we moved on from Monopoly and just, you know, we left the take that of Monopoly and just went for the throat with, with nuclear <laughs> war and always had a great time, moved on to RPGs. And, uh, and then I stopped to, I got married, had a family and uh, the, the gaming thing went aside for a while, but then they started to grow up and I started to have a little more, a little bit more free time. Uh -huh. So I've always thought about designing games. And then I discovered the, the great playtest group here. I had an idea for a game. I had discovered the great playtest group here in Cincy and went there and geez, just the, the great bunch of people, uh, super supportive, um, willing to share what they know, willing to 
uh, give you, share their knowledge um, and um, help you where they can. And said, geez, you know, you, you don't, this is a rare thing, you know, these days where, you know, they're so welcoming. And the whole community, just even outside of Cincinnati, you know, you go to Origins and you go to Protospiel and um, Unpub. And it's the same thing. Uh, the, a lot of the game design community is very friendly. So I said, well, maybe I need to check out, check this out a little bit more and get more involved in this. And yeah, that's how it, how it got started. So uh, just been making games ever since. I think that was probably about 2016 when I first okay. attended that meeting. Yeah. So you, you say games. Um, so you, you have, uh, I'm going to say, uh, Saints and Scoundrels there beside you, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. And what, what other games besides that one? Or So the first one that I had brought to the group was a, it was a game called Battle Cats. It was a, a, kind of a Thundercats. Yeah, remember that, Ryan? Yeah, the, it was a kind of a Thundercats theme. It was my first game. Um, and it was what I called a compound deck building game. So, you know, in a deck, regular deck building game, you, everyone's building their own individual decks. And I made the, this mechanic where everyone's building one deck together. And it sounds like a great premise for a co-op, but it's not a co-op. It's a competitive game. You're, you're competing for domination of the deck. And it's a real interesting mechanic, and the, 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 the group really got into it, and there are certain things that need to be solved. Uh, and I really like really the game, brought it to publishers. Um, the, the thing was, uh, as I got to know game design, and as I got to know my own, um, you know, my own tastes and my own abilities, I, I really began to realize that if I really wanted to bring this to, to market, to Kickstarter or anything like that, it needs a lot more skill than I had. Um, it, it's really a much heavier game than, as a designer, I would like to make. You know, Saints and Scoundrels is a very light, casual game. Thirty minutes, I, it's great, and I, I love, I love that. Um, Battle Cats is a lot heavier. You know, it usually takes on an hour. A lot of, a lot of deck building mechanics that, in kind of, I think are very, very interesting. But for it to be really brought to market, it really needs like. Um, asymmetric factions, stuff like that. It's something that yeah. the way I wanted to build it, I don't think people will look at the mechanic and say, "Well, that's not quite a match," and it just doesn't didn't feel right. So, um, luckily, um, I caught the ear of uh, Jonathan Gilmore, oh, um, yeah. and he a real nice guy. And yeah. I pitched to him when he was working for Pandasaurus, and the Pandasaurus people passed on it, but he said, you know, I, I, he took some interest in it. So he and I um, started working together um, to try to develop this a bit more and see um, how people would be interested in that. But um, uh, we haven't done much um, through the pandemic, but once we start play testing, I got some, you know, we both have some ideas. I think once we start able to live play test this thing, I think it'll start to take off. But uh, yeah, that's, say, um, there was a game before that, Called Villainopolis, which was just awful. <laughs> Your first game, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, you start to experiment with game mechanics, and then, you know, it, things you start to see how things work and what doesn't work and what doesn't work. The, the problem with that is the game just never ended. <laughs> I could never. I like to say I, the problem with that game is I could never figure out how to make a person lose and still have fun. You know, I, I yeah. can make a game yeah. where someone wins and the person who wins has a blast. You yeah. know, the real trick is to make a game where someone, the people who lose have fun. Yeah. 
Right. You know, they won't want to play again. I think that comes out with Satan Scoundrels. You know, it's such a short game. You know, you lose like, oh, well, yeah, let's play again. But at some point, you know, the, the most terrible thing to happen in the game, I think, is you're halfway through. You know, you still have half an hour to, to play and you realize you're going to lose. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and that's a terrible feeling. Yeah. And I, I think I tried to avoid that with Villainopolis, but... Then you just keep it just keeps on going and going and going and it, you know when the, the you need a mechanic kick in to to begin the end game yeah but when it kicked in everyone knew who was going to win who was going to lose and you still had half an hour game left and so it's just like yeah. okay this this game isn't working <laughs> it's it's learning experience I, I I enjoyed the learning experience and then you know use what I learned to you know for my other games. Yeah, I, I, I had a learning experience with you, Gary, when I when when I brought um, the postman. I remember that. Yeah, and you were uh -huh. the only person to play test it because it had a extraordinarily glaring flaw that I had not noticed, and we set it up. and And this always endears me when I think of you because I was so extraordinarily embarrassed. And like we set it up, and I'm like, "This is how you play," and you're super interested. And we're talking, and then I'm like, oh my God, never mind. Like, <laughs> I just realized this. There should be 27 variations. <laughs> yeah. And there is like 96. Uh huh. Let's just scoop it. Thanks, Gary. <laughs> I'm putting this away. I, I remember that. That was like, that was like our unpub day at, at the Rook. And yeah. yeah, I was, I was probably drinking coffee beer. <laughs> it's like early in the morning Sunday and I sat down to play and then we start looking and it's like, hmm, okay, let's, <laughs> that's an interesting game. Have you thought of this? <laughs> yeah, you were very supportive yeah. and I appreciate that. And I literally, I put it back in the, because I had it in a mailbag. Yeah. I put it back in the mailbag, put it inside of a cubby and uh -huh. I got it out two years later. Okay. That's yeah. that's how ashamed I was and how thankful I am for you being so gracious and just being like, what was that? <laughs> you didn't do that. You were like, no, that seems a pretty good idea. You know, you could tweak something. And I'm like, this is math. And I just bombed it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I thought it, I thought it was an interesting theme and the, you know, the general mechanics that work. And then, you know, then you start to drill down the details. But, you know, that's how first. Pro prototypes go you know they just they just kind of collapse i think you just kind of have to expect that and yeah you know after the first two or three play tests you either realize you need to abandon it or there's something there and but it's still a learning experience you know there's there's probably a pro prototypes at my in my little cubby hole over here that just never made it you know they're they're in pieces and they look good at first and you start to play it and like ah something's not quite working here and, and i did have another game that day that i um that prototype a lot better that I kept yeah. working on. And I have almost a completed prototype of it, but I'm not, you know, maybe when the plate, maybe I'll come out to the play test group again someday. Yeah. Oh yeah, sure. Sorry. My, oh, I don't know if we're going to pick up my children stomping overhead. I, my <laughs> three-year-old turns four tomorrow. So. Oh, congrats. <laughs> yeah. My family's upstairs. They're, they're keeping quiet though. I think they're tired. Yeah. <laughs> Throw a text. <laughs> um so so you're still working on battle cats with jonathan then yeah um okay. we're I'm still working on on battle cats um i yeah it's nice to have his um 
he just has a different instinct about some uh this stuff and it um uh, trying to learn from him as mu much as possible um yeah as yeah. i said it's just a bit beyond my admittedly beyond my skills as a new designer it really it's not really my type of game but i think you know bringing it to the test group and bringing it to uh unpub everyone seems to see this is a really interesting mechanic mm -hmm. um uh, it's a really fun mechanic, uh, and uh, if if I were to finish it the way I like it, 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 it wouldn't quite, the market wouldn't, I don't think it would like it. You know, the way Jonathan wants to put it, um, I think it's a much better direction for it mm -hmm. to go. Um, I, well, I've been also... Go ahead. Go ahead. I've, I've been working on a um, Meepo rolling um, game also. Um, Meepo rolling game? Meepo rolling, yeah. Okay, I, I thought it was, so, yeah, like, ever play Pass the Pig? You know, yeah, you yeah. roll and you see what stands up. And so the way this came about was um, I was writing, I write for Meepo Mountain, and uh, yeah. there was an article where we compared Tabletop Simulator and Tabletopia. And we're trying to figure out, you know, what, what should we, it was going to be a series of articles. What should we call it? Should we call it Versus? Should we call it, you know, you know, uh, knockout or something like that. And so I just started throwing out ideas about what we should call the series of head-to-head -head comparison articles. And I threw out Meeple Combat, as in Mortal Combat, you know, with a K. Yep. Um, and for some reason, that, that name stuck, and I sort of started thinking, okay, what would a game called Meeple Combat look like? And I said, well, it would involve Meeples. And what would you do with the Meeples? Well, maybe you'd roll them. So I rolled a meeple and said, oh, that's interesting. And so basically, it's it's a meeple rolling game. And I tried to make it as, um, it's a two-player, trying to make it as like a meeple rolling version of the fighting game where one person has one character, the other person has another character. And you fiercely try to roll meeples. Yeah. You know, you have four meeples in your hand. And you try to make combos with them. And you try to affect the other player. Uh, my My... Uh, seven-year-old and my 11-year-old have, have a blast with it. Uh, just the idea of uh, rolling meeples, and it's like three minutes of just frantic meeple rolling. Um, yeah. So I think it needs to, I think it still needs some development. I'd love to play it with the the gang over at, uh, you know, our design group, but it's unfortunate that it's not something you could put on Tabletop Simulator, you know, <laughs> or Tabletopia. Just because it's the meeple rolling. <laughs> you have to, it has right. to be done with with real life meeples in order for it to work. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> we, we've been playing some Wingspan. Um, yeah. On uh, TTS, yeah, Tabletop Simulator. And the most annoying thing in there is just rolling the dice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the, the physical action not being there and not being able to just keep them where you want them, they bounce around. So, like, if. If you can't even do that, then how in the world would you play yeah. a, a meeple mm -hmm. rolling game? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That, that, that sounds frustrating. Uh, have you played uh, Meeple Circus? Uh, no, but I've I've seen it, um, and they have some interesting. You know, having worked with a meeple rolling game, they they've made some interesting things. Like the, this is the one with a meeple rolling tower, right? Is it? Is that it? Uh, you're just. Uh, I think I'm sorry. I've played a couple of different ones. I think Meeple Circus is. Just where you're trying to build things. Okay. Um, you know, Maybe I haven't seen it. I'm getting confused with something else. 
Now, now, I, now I'm second guessing myself. <laughs> but, but like, you have to get them in certain shapes and, and yeah. keep them in that shape to get the points. Uh-huh. Um, that's what made me think of it. It is like, okay, if you're fighting one another, then maybe you get certain points if you knock their ears over and your mm-hmm. people ends up in a certain, you know, configuration. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can do that. I'll definitely peep it, Gary. Oh, I'm, awesome. I'm excited for it. I'm excited for Battle Cats too. Yeah, or one point two or whatever, wherever <laughs> we're at. I'm sure. So, well, going back to that, um, yeah, working with with Jonathan and, and uh, the the, re- the reason I asked if you're still working on it is um, I hate Dead of Winter. <laughs> That's a personal <laughs> preference. I, I had to look up what he done, but but Dinosaur Island is in my top ten. And oh, okay. So that, that got me thinking, like, how how does a, a designer like that 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 uh, kind of is he? He's definitely focused on on some different things throughout his career. How mm-hmm. does he? What are some questions he asks you, or how does he draw uh, better design out of you? Um, so, I, mean, I mean, obviously, those two games yeah. have sold. Mm-hmm. You know, at the time, Dinosaur Island was one of the biggest kickstarters uh, mm-hmm. for if not the biggest Kickstarter for worker placement. Yeah. And then Dead of Winter definitely got cooperative games going in a different way a few years ago. Uh-huh. Um, so wh- how has he helped you? Um, uh, he's and- done... Uh, so uh, we talked a few times, and um, he, he, he gives a general um, vision of where he thinks the game needs to go. And then he allows me to kind of fill in the spots of how to get there, which is a great way to do something to, to approach that. And still make he could go, you know, if, if he took the whole design and went to the corner somewhere and came back six months with a workable prototype, I'd be happy, but he, he's really um, generous in um, allowing me to put, give my input in, into this. Um, and he honestly wants his, wants my opinion, and you know he knows that I've been playing with this thing for you know two or three more years than he has. So he asked me, you know, I, we want to do this. Do you think that'll work? And I said, well, I think we're going to run into this this is a problem, but it should should work. You know, if we do this, if you do X and Y and Z. Um, so it's it's very much a collaborative process. Um, but he definitely has a much more uh, a much better. Uh, vision um, and he has a lot of uh, uh, when we when you know before the pandemic he had a playtest group that met every week and so he could iterate much quicker than I I can uh, over here you're meeting on a monthly basis and he can try stuff out uh, and he, I think he's just more used to um, uh, what would what kind of you know especially from a, the point of view of components you know, my my game had some game mats that came along with it. He says, I think we need to do away with that if we want to get if we want to meet this market. I think we can I think we can the audience will be fine without it. And I'm thinking, yeah, I, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, just the way I was playtesting it, I think it, I wasn't playtesting with medium weight gamers. I was playtesting with more lightweight um, casual gamers and it, yeah. it suited them better. But so he had he brings he brings them the marketing perspective, definitely the experience. Um, and he really tries to um, uh, bring a, you know, me as a designer to in, into the equation also, which I'm really thankful for. Yeah. Cool. Um, 
So you're working on your... Are you calling it Meeple Combat or is that Meeple Combat? We're we're calling it Meeple Combat for now. <laughs> that's that's, the, that's the official name on my um, Windows file folder. <laughs> when I put all the files in there, Meeple Combat. And you got Battlecats? Or do you have other games you're working on now too? Uh, no, nothing, nothing serious right now. You know, you as a designer, I always have, I've always have ideas. I've always wanted to make like a GI Joe um, dice building game. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's a very much deeper project than this Meeple Combat. The Meeple Combat yeah. seems like, you know, um, you know, about three or four months of play testing and it's, it's ready to go. You put it up on GameCrafter and it's, it's all good to go. Um, yeah. you know, something like GI Joe for what I want to do with it, it's going to take, you know, a year, year and a half to really develop it into what I want, want it to be. That would That'd be really interesting to actually do something with uh, cobras, where cobras mm -hmm. are more of uh, like a bad guy in in, in terms of a D and D world type. Yeah. Of thing. Mm -hmm. so like since you say uh, a dice game, like first thing that came to mind is like oh, I don't know if this is the way you're going or not, but like um, have, have you played role player? No, I haven't. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Well, in that, you, I, yeah, I'm familiar with it. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. Um, it, I don't know if Ryan is, is or not. But, um, you, you create your character by selecting dice and yeah, and, and getting mm -hmm. things and building up th their character traits. But like doing a GI Joe like that, but then <laughs> the the the, the um, first expansion to it is going up against the bad guys. Yeah, and like I've always been curious <laughs> going back as an adult and thinking about GI Joe and thinking about like what. What is Cobra exactly doing, and how are they taking over the world? But, yeah. And so, like, making Cobra a bad guy that is more of this mythical bad guy that you have to mm -hmm. go against in mm -hmm. whatever way, just thematically, that'd be really fun if, if your G.I. Joes are going against Cobra and you had more of a story to how they're going against Cobra. That, that yeah, the, I want it to be sort of campaign-based. You know, you have a set of cards... And okay. then here is here is Cobra's plan. Now you've got to pick the right people. You know you got to pick the right characters and equipment, and to accomplish this mission. You know I, I think that needs yeah. to be part of it. Uh, you know that that you know if you're going to be GI Joe, you know there are certain things that you that you need uh, right. need it need that need to happen. You just can't use the characters. There are certain things that need need to happen yeah uh, you, you got to pick the characters you got to pick the you got to pick the equipment and, and stuff like that and you know the the bad guys will show up and they'll be doing and your uh certain bad guys will show up you know who are your arch nemesis and stuff yeah. like that so those yeah. are you know so you start to think of these elements that you want in there and it's like okay how am i going to incorporate all of this and still have a game that makes sense and is efficient to play but it's it's always fun to think about Think about that stuff. Absolutely. I think for um, licensing, instead of going for the action figures, it might mm -hmm. just be cheaper to get the license for the movie. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe The Rock will, will put his picture on there. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> uh, it wouldn't be called G.I. Joe, of course. It would be, you know, there's... Um, I was toying with um, a, um, a motion comic a long time ago called, and I called it Omega Force. And it was something about that, that my... Um, played with my RPG cousins, um, and it's just like you know military people, paramilitary people fighting, you know the bad guys. Uh, so I mean, 
if you did it right, a certain French publisher with an R name might pick you up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're they're re- renegade. They're yeah. really into their licensed products this year. Um, they're doing uh, power. I, mean, I was trying to get David Bryan, the author of the book, The Postman, to <laughs> I think that's license good. my board game because it's probably cheaper than the movie. <laughs> I am tempted to take Saints and Scoundrels over to uh, Thomas Harris. I think that's the name of the guy who wrote Sons of the Lambs. Say, yeah. hey, look at this. You know, <laughs> you want to you want to make a Sons of the Lambs board game? Here you are. I <laughs> go. Gotta get those tie-ins, right? Yeah. Um, so, how old? You said you have two boys. Two girls. Oh, two girls. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. How old seven, are they? Seven and eleven. Okay, I, I have an eight-year-old and a twelve-year-old, um, so very similar. Fun, um, fun age. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Most of the time, although homeschooling right now <laughs> after <laughs> yeah. a three-day weekend. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know about you, but that made today longer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, do uh, Do you play a lot of games with with the girls? Then? So Annabelle is just the the oldest, the eleven-year-old is just, is starting to get to get into it. Um, uh, she recently got um, the Harry Potter deck building game from Santa Claus oh, yeah, yeah. or Christmas. And we, we have a great time uh, playing that. You know, it's the first time that, you know, we play Chutes and Ladders and Monopoly and so all this other stuff. And I'm like, okay, okay, we'll, this, we'll just get through this. Okay. And then so we got this yeah, deck building game and she, she loves it. She, she, she loves playing Hermione. She's a big Harry Potter fan. Mm-hmm. She loves playing Hermione and I'll play, I'll play, um, what did she play? Neville Longbottom, and my wife will play um, uh, Harry Potter, uh, and we have a good time. And she she enjoys playing. I recently, so last October, when I was running the Kickstarter for Saints and Scoundrels, mm-hmm. I brought her to Sin City Con, and it was her first, eleven years old, first her first convention, first game convention. Yeah. Um, and so you know, when she sees Daddy working on games, you know, it's usually I'm at the kitchen table working on the computer. And um, that's pretty, that's her perception of what game people do. So I brought her to this convention, and wow, she's just she was just went kind of crazy. Like, all these people are doing all this yeah. stuff, and yeah, I, I brought it to the the um, Dungeons and Dragons um, room, and uh-huh. I went to one table and I said, "Can you guys explain who your characters are and what you're doing right now?" And said, "Yeah, I'm a lizard man from this, and I'm trying to do this, and then, yeah, and I'm a wizard." And she was just so fascinated. Uh, the thing that got her, though, we, we ran into a, a professional cosplayer. Okay. The one who had, um, she had um, uh, emceed the, um, the cosplay contest in Sin City Con. And what caught her, caught my daughter's eye was she was just like Hermione Granger. <laughs> and so, and so my daughter put a piece together. She says, wait a minute, you get, you got paid to put on this cosplay contest? He said, yeah, you're dressed as Hermione Granger. Someone paid you to come to this convention and dress like Hermione Granger and you can make money off of that? And the lady said, yes. <laughs> and she just looked at me like, this is this is incredible. Why didn't you tell me about all this stuff? Uh, so yeah, she had a really great time. And I think, uh, you know, we got a potential gamer here. She's just, she's fascinated by all this, all, all these, this gaming stuff that's around and other community in general. Yeah, the um, go ahead. Best, the best Harry Potter game to play for Harry Potter fans that um, me and my wife made up like ten years ago is called the Harry Potter game, and this will be yeah. good for your daughters. Um, 
you name a Harry Potter character, everybody takes turns naming a Harry Potter character, and you cannot repeat the same character twice. <laughs> yeah. And this just goes on until um, until somebody names the same person, or like Jeopardy time has to start, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, there's only like 500 characters, so you're just like, every now and then I'm like, Kingsley Shacklebolt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's... But that's a that's a good game for the kids in the car. Or, <laughs> we'll or try the it. Adults. Oh, absolutely. Um, but I just I love Harry Potter too. We're we're a Harry Potter family. So. Um, we we've we've played a lot of that deck builder. I I think the great thing about that deck builder is it's really well done. So you're teaching mechanics that are going to be mm-hmm. used in other games. And because of the theme and the fact that the cards are well done, uh, then like that, that's what got my son a couple of years ago when he was ten. We, we got him that one. Um, yeah. That's what got him into more, uh, more deck builders and stuff because then he, he got, you know, how chaining can go when you change your cards and so forth. And, uh, awesome. I, I'm having a tough tr- time, not being a quarterback. <laughs> in the game, you know, because you know, I, having worked on, you know, my own deck builder, and my yeah. Star Realms is one of my favorite deck builders, yeah. and you know, I played other deck builders, and so, you know, I looked at, I, you look at the starting characters, and you go, you kind of said, oh, I, I see what this character is supposed to do. I see their strengths and their weaknesses, and, and then my, my daughter plays, and she says she wants to buy this spell, and I'm like, well, that doesn't really work for, that. it doesn't get you, doesn't advance your character any, right? But so you might want to buy this other spell. No, I want to buy this spell. Like, okay, yeah. you buy that spell, and he's like, as much as I want to quarterback, saying you have this strength, you should buy this. Th- you should buy this spell, and your mom should buy that spell, and I'll buy this spell. And we'll we'll win. But no, I want to buy the spell. Okay, <laughs> you know. Yep. And so you've probably don't lost be the quarterback, a Gary. Yeah. What was that? You, you've probably lost a couple of them, right? <laughs> uh, we came close, but okay. um, yeah, I, I'm just. You know, I make I make Neville Longbottom super aggressive. <laughs> That's very <laughs> So, <laughs> so uh, did you uh, finish the whole game? Did you beat Voldemort? Oh, uh, we've just played game one. Oh, uh, okay, so okay. yeah, I'm sure it gets much harder as we as we move along, doesn't it? Yeah, no. It, it, if you flip the wrong villains, that game is, is <laughs> yeah. And it, so, like, you'll you'll probably have to. This is what I had to do. Um, I made a, a self rule that I wouldn't look. At my kids' cards when they play, they have they have to do oh, their own thing, and I can't yeah. look at them until the turn is over. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah, just to get rid of that quarterback. Yeah. Um, so important questions, real fast, Gary. What house are you in in Harry Potter? <laughs> I I tell my kid I'm in Bear Claw. My my house is Bear Claw. They serve pastries in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like this stuff. <laughs> Yeah, and she always told me, there's no such house. I said, oh, yeah, it's in there. They just didn't talk about it much in, in the book. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. I should I should ask my daughter who, who what she thinks, what what house I, I, I'm in. I, I'm going to guess you're Ravenclaw. We'll have to see yeah. what, <laughs> what, what your test brings back. What, what house are you, Ryan? Um, uh, your brother-in-law, Christopher... Was watching a the uh, Hufflepuff theatrical play or something a couple of days ago. They made a play about Hufflepuff, 
and I informed them they made a movie about my house. Um, it's called Harry Potter because <laughs> obviously I'm Gryffindor. Yeah, my brother-in-law is definitely Hufflepuff, but he, he's very he's wife is Hufflepuff. What, what do you, what do you, you guys can probably guess what I am based on the color of my uh, sweatshirt here, my, my hoodie. Ravenclaw, right? No. You know you're Hufflepuff? No. I'm, I'm Slytherin. Yeah. Every time. Anybody ever wanted to be Slytherin? Uh, it, it, I'll explain it some other time, but yeah, I'm Slytherin. <laughs> We're not all bad. We're not all bad. Just misunderstood. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you, you're playing Harry Potter. What Are you playing anything else? Does your wife play? Do you play two-player games with your wife? Um, you? My wife likes to play Ticket to Ride. Uh, okay. My favorite game is probably... Uh, King of Tokyo. Okay, nice. Mm -hmm. Something about the, I mean, as a designer and just as a player, I, I just, uh, I, the game is just, you know, it's battle Yahtzee with giant monsters. I mean, you can't, you know, that's a, just a great design angle. And it's, it, you, you put it in front of a nine-year-old and you put it in front of a 90-year-old 90, 90 and they just kind of get it, you yep. know? And so... So much fun, just you know, the clacking dice and people just you know they take the monsters out and they want to play with them. So, yeah, since it's both the designer and the player, I think it's just a fantastic game. Yeah, it's one of the few games that I have played. Uh, like, we, we finished like a three four hour game, mm -hmm. and then we need something, you know, before everybody leaves. And it's like, well, you want to play? You want to play King of Tokyo, King of New York, one of those two? Yeah, let's let's play that real quick. And like people who play heavy games will even play that game. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. so, Very uh, easy to get on the table. Oh, exactly. Yeah. I could always, you know, what whoever, you know, so we have another couple over for, for dinner, I can just bring that out and five minutes, you know, everyone's in, enjoying themselves. Um, I also like I've been playing Sentinels of a Multiverse on on online it's i have a i have a buddy a high school buddy in 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 taiwan and um you know this is this is a great way to to just play a game with him um and yeah we enjoy both the, enjoy playing Sentinels of the multiverse and if if i'm by myself i'll play the ai against the ai in star realms mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. What's the best time to play for with your buddy in Taiwan? Like, what's that? What's that time? Uh, so the time difference is twelve hours. So, um, so I'm uh, after I put the kids to bed, it's about eleven o'clock here, eleven o'clock at night here, and seven o'clock in the morning there, just before he gets to lunch. So we'll play for an hour. Nice. Mm -hmm. um, I like to ask a loaded question. This is my new thing. Um, <laughs> sure. Besides yourself. Why is Mike Warth your favorite Cincinnati <laughs> board game designer? Because he's a fellow Air Force guy. <laughs> uh, I I love I absolutely love his 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 story behind Dwarven Smithy, uh, especially uh, you know when people have um, when new designers um, have a failed Kickstarter. I tell them Mike's story, and Mike Mike's story is great. He had a he had a he had a um, Kickstarter, I think his goal was 20,000. 20, mm -hmm. And he didn't quite make it there. I think I'm not even sure if he got halfway. Um, and he didn't quite he didn't quite get it. And so he kind of retooled 
Um, and we shif- shifted his what he's going you know how the game and how he marketed the game, and then he 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 halved his goal. He was he was prepared to put ten thousand dollars of his own money there. So instead of a twenty thousand dollar goal, he said a ten thousand dollar goal, and his Kickstarter ended up making fifty five thousand. Um, and then if I was if I was talking to him uh, and his, um, uh, I I'd ask him, okay, and who put you over the top? Who who funded you? And you point to me. So I'm the one who um, got bought the the co- who pledged and put him into the, in the funded and funded him. Um, I so I was at the time my, my daughter was uh, was getting a bath, and so I just had a couple minutes to just check the the status of his Kickstarter, and I noticed that he was like you know twenty six dollars away from his goal, and his goal his his game is like thirty three, so. I'm, I'm your, oh, I got a pledge. I got to be the person that puts him over the top. <laughs> so um, I get on there, and my, 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 my daughter's screaming, Daddy, I need help with something. I need help. I'm like, hold on a second. <laughs> I'm busy. So I get on there, and I punch it. You know, I put in the pledge, and immediately the, the website says, it's funded, funded. And I contact Mike. It's like, guess what? You just funded, and I'm the one who funded you. <laughs> and then he went on to make another you know, forty five, forty five thousand dollars, and it's just a great. He he's a great guy. I know he put a lot of work into Dwarven Smithy, and um, and he didn't let th- that first failed Kickstarter get. He just sort of said, "Okay, that happened. Now here's what we need to do." And when I ran my own Kickstarter um, for Saints and Scoundrels, he's one of the people I always talk to. So, okay, what do you think of this? How what what did you do in this case? How did you do your pre marketing? How did you do your, do your stretch goals? What did you put in your Kickstarter page? And he's always been very helpful. And Dwarven Smithy is just a great game uh, to begin with. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Copy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's just a, he, he just has such a great, uh, great story that goes along with his, goes along with his game. And he's just a nice guy. Yeah. I love Mike. I think you guys are all great. Mike, you and Mike both, both have, Warm places in my heart set aside for you guys. Oh, thank you. You too, Ryan. <laughs> I, it was a surprise to see. It was like, a, I know I saw the, I saw a Ryan in invites. Like, I wonder if this is the same Ryan that I, you know, a couple years ago. It's like, we're going to talk to Gary. Child. <laughs> oh my God, I know Gary. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that's a good segue. What are some things that you value in uh, gaming, Gary? We, we've been talking this season about, um, the experience of gaming and how gaming is worthwhile on its own um, mm-hmm. and uh, just exploring that with different people. So what are some things that you value in gaming? Well, particularly among the, the design community, you know, our, I really value how much we, we share the knowledge that we've acquired and are willing to put it out there and, and you know, not just share it when asked, but um, putting together our, putting it in our blogs, putting it, making it a way where people can access it easily. You know, other designers can access it. Um, and making, um, you know, having these monthly meetings and make, you know, always trying to reach out to the community. Oh, you're building, making a game. Hey, we, we meet every month, you know, you should come, come and um, join us. You know, you're always welcome. The, the community in general is just very friendly, very supportive. Um, uh, a lot of knowledge that, that, is flowing very easily uh, in there. And, you know, it, 
And it's doing that even when, in a sense, that we're competing with, with each other. You know, we're, we're mm-hmm. you know, someone could buy his game or my game, but we're all kind of, I, I think we kind of decided that, or, well, we're, we're just going to do away with any kind of competition. <laughs> you know, we're, yeah, gonna, yeah. we're just going to support each other. It's just easier. We'll have more fun doing it. And um, yeah, so that's a, that's, it's a, just a great community. And I really value that uh, that I was brought in to this community in, in a very friendly, very super supportive way. And I, I, it, I tried to do that as people have treated me like that. I tried to try to reach out to the others in the same way. No, that's great. Um, especially, and I don't know what you guys have been paying attention to, and I'm not going to mention names, but I'm more bringing this up as a, historical marker um ironically last week there's been a lot of um oh there's just been junk but it's kind of always been there in the board game community Mm -hmm. um there was an italian designer who uh got in trouble from some of his passwords and he didn't really understand why it was a problem and then there's another designer who um is well known for adding footnotes and we'll leave it at that but um I think the idea uh, of welcoming people in and bringing people in rather than creating barriers is a mm-hmm. much better way to, to celebrate the gaming community than um, focusing on being right. And I think that's sure. part of what, part of mm-hmm. what uh, people were upset with, those two individuals with, mm-hmm. is that they were more concerned with their own sense of rightness than they were oh, with... Yeah. Mm-hmm. making the community a bigger place. Um, and I'm not trying to minimize the concerns that other people have, but I'm not the right person to uh, to solve any of those issues either. Um, mm-hmm. So I, what I'm trying to say is I, I appreciate your perspective on how people brought you in and how you want to uh, bring others in. Um, do you have a particular example uh, of how uh, maybe a favorite experience related to that and, and um, the community of, of game designers? I know you've talked some tonight about the Rook and mm-hmm. other times you've gotten together with game designers. Well, I mean, we have, um, there's another gaming, gaming community up in a game design group up in Indianapolis. And we, you know, Carl Kletzky is a great guy. We, we, I interface with him a lot. And um, one of the things I did was um, he, he was holding a, a protospiel. And mm-hmm. uh, one of the things I, I did going up there I attended his protospiel. I interviewed some some of the game designers there, and I thought this was just a great way to share the knowledge that they had about what what they've gone through in their games. Uh, and they were very really happy to to share their experiences. And yeah, you know, I just sort of did it on a whim, just sort of oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go up there and then I'm gonna interview some of these some of these designers. And you know, it was either gonna it, it was a good possibility that no one's gonna like who or you <laughs> why are you asking all these questions but everyone was so super um uh excited about it. it's like yeah let's let's talk games i'll tell you about what i went through in my game and so much so very willing to share their experiences and give um you know one of the questions i asked is you know if you had one piece of advice for another designer who's a, a brand new designer what would it be and everyone was very uh they they gave that advice very willingly. It's like, okay, here's what here's here's 
here's what I learned through hard work and I'm now giving it to you for free. And so um, it's just the community, no matter where I've gone, no matter what I've done, the community has always been leaning towards more, getting more information out, being more friendly. I've never had anyone say, you know, uh, I don't want to do this. This is, this is, I don't want to share my knowledge. You know, this first, if I share it, then someone's going to take my idea and, you know, I had to put it all as work. Now it's been like, yeah, here's, here's what I learned. And, you know, hopefully you'll learn from it and um, uh, make your game too. So been a great community. There's a, a belief with a lot of um, people getting into game design that, uh, or any creative process that people are going to uh, take their ideas. But once you go to those playtest groups, everybody knows that every single <laughs> idea is just a ton more work. Nobody yeah. wants them. <laughs> You know, uh -huh. by all means, take my idea, produce it. And I'll be like, man, they stole that. They did a really <laughs> yes. job. No. Yeah. Like there's nothing's nothing's breaking the barrier, you know. And then and then and that's why they share so freely, because you just yeah. get in there and you're 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 you get caught up on stuff, you get the feedback, and it's a lot of it's a very communally uplifting environment. Yeah. And it's mm -hmm. ironic that a whole bunch of people who are designing for the most part competitive games aren't competing, competing with each other, but instead, you know, congratulating each other and lifting each other up, yeah. which is the spirit of board games. Mm -hmm. Besides smack talk, you know, that's free. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think there's only one like really notorious example of somebody knowingly stealing a bunch of ideas and that's in <laughs> Ryan's favorite area, the, the train games. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you see that question pop up on the you know, Facebook forums every once in a while. They, they said, I have a game with this theme and this mechanic. Now I just learned of a game that has the same theme, same mechanic. Should I be words like, you know, there's more to a game. There's, there's, there's hundreds of design decisions. Yes, that you make, and and that's your game. Your game is not your mechanic. Your game is not your theme. Your game is the uh, hundreds of decisions that you make. Yeah, uh, and no one's ever going to make the same decisions. So I'm like, don't worry about it. Keep on, keep on going. Uh, if someone were, you know, I've been talking about this compound deck building idea for for the past few years. If someone wants to take it and <laughs> and run with it, fantastic. If you can, I've run so many problems. If you if you find a way to make it work, you tell me. <laughs> You know, um, there's so many ways that it could just completely bomb. Uh, and so it's so, so narrow of a way for it to work and work well. Uh, seriously, if someone were to take it and like make it, make it work another way, have gone a different direction than I have, I'd be very interested. Well, I think that, that's the thing, right? You could go out, buy that game, play it a few times, make the tweaks that you'd already been working on, and then you've got yeah. a unique product. Yeah. you be like, thank you for doing all that work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just Nobody, nobody contact the author of The Postman and get a board game license. That's mine. Yeah. Leave that for me. Will it be good? No. Yeah, and inspirations can, you know, the, the Postman, you know, the inspirations can come from anywhere. I mean, that's, Science of the Lambs was, in, I mean, Census Council was inspired by Science of the Lambs, and I've never seen anyone make a game like that. And it's so interesting to see where these inspirations come from you know the the things that make your game unique just come it's different for everyone uh mm -hmm. it just comes it, it 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 comes from your experience your perspective and you know what you what you like and it's just so interesting how how people can take the same you know 
because game mechanics, there aren't, there aren't a lot of game mechanics and there aren't a lot of themes. But it's so interesting how the people can take these things, you know, a lot of common things, and make something completely different out of them. Yeah. Um, and I've, I have never seen um, a game like The Postman, you know, that was like The Postman, like the movie. So that's what, one of the things I enjoyed about playing your game. Originally, I was going to do Tin Cup, and then I was like, eh, I'm going <laughs> yeah. Kevin Costner, but... <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, so where would you like to see tabletop gaming, board gaming go in the next couple of years, Gary? So one of the things I've been really impressed with, it's been a huge surprise for me, has been the online gaming community. Um, you know, when the pandemic happened, um, I think prior to the pandemic happening, um, I think the idea of online board gaming was sort of like, oh, that's that's interesting. You know, of course, someone's going to do something like that. And yeah, I no one really took it seriously. Then everyone was stuck at home, you know, as everyone wanted to play tests and still play games. And suddenly all these online virtual online uh, conventions started popping up. And there's there's huge communities of designers online. You can find them online anytime and they're playtesting each other's games and you know, with these online conventions, you have people attending who have never been able to attend a convention in person before. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, you know, attending a convention, you know, if you don't live in Cincinnati or Columbus, you know, or in Indianapolis, like, you know, we do, it can be, can get pretty expensive. You know, if you're off somewhere, you know, Hawaii or Alaska or something like that, you're just, it's, it's not an easy thing to get over here for, for Gen Con. Right. Um, and, uh, or Origins. And so, having these or, or any porter spiels around here. So having these things where anyone in the world can access them and we can share knowledge that way. It's been a, I think it's real been a real eye opener for me at least to see that how, how online gaming can bring us even closer together to can reach out to other people that we couldn't reach out to before. Mm-hmm. And I, I really hope going forward, you know, even when, you know, thankfully the, Hopefully the pandemic will be over soon and we start to play games again and have start to have yeah. conventions again. I really hope that there is a online component that continues to that t- continues with Gen Con and Origins and Protospiels and, and and everything. Because so I like the idea of making those things accessible to people who who don't have access to an in-person con. You know, reaching out to more people, um, getting more people involved, getting more ideas on the table. Um, in building your network of people, uh, I really hope that continues. That, that's really that's a really cool way to think about it. Um, <laughs> I, I, yeah. I've never heard such a good sales pitch for the Midwest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, this is a great place to be. You know, you know, it's one of the things that brought me in. It's like, well, there's Origins over there. There's Gen Con, and then we have you know our own. And City Con and you know Protospiels and it's just a very active community here. Very fortunate to be in this this in this area, and I feel bad. You know, I'll you know talk to someone on Facebook and they have a great idea for a game, but you know they're somewhere in the middle of nowhere and they just can't get to a convention. They don't have a, a local playtest group, mm-hmm. and you know, and you need you no game can be made in isolation. You know, you can have a great idea. You can play test it all by yourself, but at some point you're going to need other people. Um, yeah. It's just, that's just the nature of the hobby. And if you can't, you know, online, online gaming is, a, you know, if you're 
if you're isolated somewhere is a, you know your only option and so um i'm hoping for you know for people like that that we continue continue to support the online gaming and online playtesting yeah i think that um i think that there's a market for companies to release uh online components of their games and i think if there's a market for it then they're going to do it and hopefully um that will be refined and the experience uh, mm -hmm. will grow and the software will get better. And then I can play Meeple combat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. You know, when, when they, when they make VR even more, you know, even more accessible to everyone, I think that's one of the start to even more take, take off even more. And I'll, I'll, I will put Meeple combat on there where you can actually roll and feel the dice rolling in your hand and everything. Yeah. The tabletop simulators physics engine not, <laughs> it leaves a lot to desire right now. Sure, uh -huh. it's gonna get there, and and full <laughs> combat's gonna be on it. I'm gonna be, I'm, I'll be there. I'll be like the, um, the Goro. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I really hope that continues. You know, I've seen a lot of um, uh, prior to Kickstarters, people will release their their games on tabletop simulator or Tabletopia. And it's a great it's a great marketing tool, you know, that uh, you go to an online convention and, you know, you present your um, game on Tabletop Simulator or Tabletopia. And I, I've seen bigger companies do that. Not everyone, but bigger companies could release their games on there for people to try out. And it's a great way to try it out. You know, it's you know, it's 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 a one step away from a print and play uh, and you don't have to have a lot of time, you know, printing stuff out. Um, but I, I hope that publishers big publishers have to see the the marketing value in oh that. absolutely mm -hmm. i um well ryan and i played darwin's journey last week which is oh, getting a lot of buzz we had a really great time with that one we're gonna play yeah. again um i tried <laughs> uh on the flip side and this is interesting um i tried out um you uh, uh uh not rock rockefeller but uh, the other one, Carnegie, Carnegie last okay. night, because um, mm -hmm. uh, I was waiting on Ryan, and then he, he could have made it. I tried out Carnegie, and I didn't like it at all. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. uh, like, th there's the experience of, well, I, I really want to have a physical copy of Dark One's Journey, but I'm, I guess it is a good thing for marketing, because at least Carnegie, I'm not going to walk away and never try it again. I can try it again on uh, Board Game Arena now sure. for free, without and then if i do like it i, I will be drawn in well uh, if i had played it at a con i would mm -hmm. probably never go back and try it again <laughs> yeah I, I don't, it probably is better to market the games that way sure yeah. i think there are pro, pros and cons uh, i i think i think the the risk is worth the reward um yeah. uh you know i i'll show saints and scoundrels you know um at online conventions i usually get one sale for every time um i i, I demo it and I think it's, I think the, the, the online experience is not perfect and will never replace in person, but I, I think you can trend it, you can translate it into, um, there's enough there to get, to get an, a sense of what it would be in real life. Yeah. Um, uh, enough to make you decide if you want to buy the game or not. And as, as a, as, as an indie designer, you know, I, I would, I would much rather someone try my game and say, you know, this isn't for me mm. than to buy my game and not play it. Um, you know, I'm not in this to make a lot of money, but yeah, 
if someone I I want a person to be sure they enjoy the game. So if that if that's what they need to you know if they need to play it online first to make sure, then that's that's fine with me. And if someone wants to try it two or three more times, then they they got to find you know two or three more people to, to play yeah, it with. And yeah, so he's he's yeah. marketing my game for me. That's what, that's the way I I see it. So yeah. I, I think it's I I think there's a lot of potential there, and I hope. Uh, Publishers see that, and other indie designers see that too. Yeah, cool. Anything else? Oh, go ahead, Ryan. Uh, I was just agreeing vocally. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to add or talk about <coughs> before we wrap up tonight? No, I'm excited to see. Uh, I, I'm. Um, are you guys still at Fireside, or you're on hiatus, or we're on hiatus right now? Um, I think once the 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 level of the pandemic level um, dies down and um, people start to get vaccinated. I'm going to be getting my be getting my vaccine soon. There, as <laughs> as um, someone who works on base, uh, right, Pat? Um, we have a slightly higher priority than than average. So, um, I, I, I would I would like to start. I'd like to start playing again, but it'll it'll depend on other people. But I, I'm always open to you know. I, I tell the, the group, you know, if you want to, if you were Put it on a tabletop simulator and test it out. I'm all I'm all for that too. And you guys are still pretty active on the old uh, Facebook, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. I'll make Christopher uh, screenshot me updates. I don't I don't <laughs> I don't use Facebook anymore. I'm not on social networking. I'm an old man. Um, um, yeah, so any- I definitely I I really enjoyed un uh, unpub at Origins, and I also enjoyed uh, playing other people's games and. Um, and that was a lot of fun when I was participating into it, in it. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I look forward to hearing when uh, the world is a little bit better for it um, to, to have Christopher join your guys group and then let me know so I can show up and, and play yeah. some games. Cause it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a great experience. So yeah, everyone's, you know, we have a pretty active group, you know, when, once, you know, pandemic is over, you know, I, I'm sure it'll be active again, but uh, yeah, the people were there with some great games and they're looking for publishers and, um, some some great games recently have been made in that group, and I, I really hopefully hopefully they'll they'll keep moving forward with the with those, uh, and I'll bring Meeple Combat along too. Yeah, you know what's up. <laughs> <laughs> what what's uh, what's your website, Gary? Your website is www.gcrocketscience.com. Uh, uh, all all one word: GC Rocket Science. Um, um yeah my uh my Saints and scoundrels game is up for sale at the game crafter um it's a it's uh i think it's 28.99 at the game crafter for the basic edition i can give you a little bit cheaper if you buy it from me in person i i, I have a few copies um cool. I, I i have a few copies here but yeah that's my website and i have i'm also writing on uh, maple mountain uh have a rule book editing have rule book writing article coming up soon i also have a um i interviewed uh brenna noonan from quill silver studios recently okay um she's she's fantastic she you know she offers like the one-stop shop for if you're a game designer and you want to know if you need help designing or marketing your game at any point during your game she can help you um she can help you with the whatever she's got a uh, she's got a crack team there that can help you with what art marketing development you you name it uh so that'll be coming up soon so uh, i'll let everyone know 
I'll, I always post my <laughs> new articles anyway when uh, uh, onto the Cincy uh, Game Design Group. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate Thanks, it. Chris. Thanks for the opportunity. And nice seeing you too again, Ryan. Hope to see you again soon. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I'll uh, maybe catch a game of uh, Saints and Scoundrels Saturday if, in, in between my games. Uh, oh, that'd be awesome. So. Well, thanks. Thank you. You've just been listening to Board Game Games Season 2, Episode 4, with our guest Gary Chavez, as he talked about his game Saints and Scoundrels, designing games in general, and his best experiences in the tabletop gaming community. Join us as we continue to talk about those experiences that define the tabletop community. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Happy gaming!